This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. It's an honor to have you men, and I was thinking about it. I went and ran a quick errand. One direction from here is uh, Old Town Scottsdale, all the restaurants, the bars, uh, all the sports bars. We have more men than any of those restaurants. And I even drove by Hooters. I didn't go in and take a head count, but I am very convinced that we have more men here tonight than they do. And so I just wanna publicly honor you because in Scottsdale, if you're a man, this is the place to be, amen? All right, if you're here tonight, it's because you have a want to. You want to make a change, you wanna make a difference, you wanna make a legacy, and we're here to help with the how-to. The Holy Spirit gives you the want to, we're here to help you with the how-to. And so the way this works, I teach on Sunday. If you really wanna be yelled at for an hour, I'll see you on Sunday. Every Sunday, a long Bible sermon, and what we do on Wednesday night for the men here, real men, I do a little summary and an application for the men. Then we'll spend time around the table in prayer and get into all of that. So let me catch you up if you are in fact new um, on the book of Daniel. We're in the book of Daniel, it takes 12 weeks. There's 12 chapters. You can read ahead a chapter a week. Last Sunday, we hit Daniel chapter four. And I told you that the book starts, Daniel's in his teens. So how many of you guys are like late teens, mid teens, or late teens, early 20s, young guys? Okay, you guys all look hopeful, we'll fix that. Uh, just give it some time. Okay, how many of you guys are my age, 45 to 50? Okay, you're mature, you're handsome, you guys look wise, congratulations. Uh, and so what has happened is from chapter one to chapter four, he's gone from being a teenager, early 20 something, to a guy who's 45 to 50. We've already covered a lot of years in his life. And so at this point, he is a, he's a mature man. And where he is at, he's in Babylon. So he, he lived in Israel, God allowed his people to be uh, attacked, to be plundered, to be enslaved. He walks the 700 miles to Babylon where he is a slave, eunuch in the court of King Nebuchadnezzar for 30 years at this point. And there are some major gaps in his life and people will wonder, well, what happened? He was doing the same thing as you and I, doing his laundry, cutting his grass, going to work, paying his bills. There are major gaps throughout Daniel and a lot of it is just normal life. So you can look at Daniel and say, how come God doesn't show up like that? He shows up like that in Daniel's life every decade or two in some extraordinary way. Most days are just normal, typical days like the rest of us. Well, what happens in chapter four? King Nebuchadnezzar, demonic, evil, counterfeit of the kingdom of God. He is the counterfeit Jesus. God, the real God of the Bible gives him a dream and he can't interpret it. He's up all night. He's very distressed and anxious about it. And he wants to know what in fact this dream means. So he brings in Daniel to interpret the, the dream. And three times in Daniel chapter four, Nebuchadnezzar, the ungodly king says, you have the spirit of Elohim. Your Bible translations will say you have the spirit of the gods. And in the Hebrew originally, which is the Old Testament language, uh, Elohim tends to refer to um, the divine unseen realm. It tends to refer to God, angels, demons, other divine beings, any invisible being, any divine being, any supernatural being is in that category. So he says, the spirit of the gods is in you. He doesn't know who God is, but he knows that Daniel has a different power because the presence of God comes with him. And the point here is a man that if the spirit of God is in you, you bring the presence of God with you and then others will sense and see the work of God in your life. And then they will have questions for you. That's what happens with Daniel. And one of the things that is really helpful for us is number one, the book of Daniel is about a man. 
a guy named Daniel. And we kind of look at his life from the teen years to the 80s. By the time you get to chapter five, he's in his 80s, okay? Uh, and so we get a view of a man's life, which is really helpful for us as men. And number two, most of the scenes and snapshots of the tests and the ministry opportunities in his life, they're at work, okay? They're at work. You guys just got here, most of you got here from work. Most of your life is at work. Much of your ministry is at work. Much of your spiritual warfare is at work. The context for most of these complex situations is in fact work. And so he is brought before King Nebuchadnezzar. This is part of his job. This is his job and he's before his boss. And his boss happens to be a king who rules a kingdom, the most powerful tyrant on the earth who has a real bad history of killing guys that he doesn't like. So he's got a dream and he's tell me the dream. Well, Daniel now has this really complicated situation because he understands the dream and his boss isn't gonna like it. How many of you have had a situation where you had to tell somebody something they didn't wanna hear, or maybe even that person was in power or they were your boss or they were in authority and you're like, man, if this goes sideways, they're gonna cause a lot of pain in my life. That's the circumstance. And so Daniel interprets the dream in Daniel chapter four, and he basically uh, tells Nebuchadnezzar, there is the most high God who rules over all false gods and demons and kingdoms and rulers, including you. And he has two options for you, plan A, is humility, plan B is humiliation. That, those are, and just so you know, guys, those are always our options. How do I know? Because I've done a lot of plan B. That's how I know these are our options. How many of you didn't try humility, tried humiliation and pivoted back to humility? Uh, for, write that down, start with humility. I mean, it just, you're gonna get there eventually and just take the shortcut. Don't go the long path of humiliation to get to humility. So God says, plan A, you can be humble. You can acknowledge that you're a mean, wicked, selfish, independent, awful guy who needs God and forgiveness and change. Plan B, humiliation, um, you can fight against God, you can disregard, disagree with God, and then you're gonna go crazy for seven years. You're literally gonna go nuts. You're gonna, you're gonna move out of the palace, you're gonna live in the yard, you're gonna look like an animal, you're gonna sleep outside, and you're gonna, you're gonna eat the lawn for seven years. Okay? And, and then God tells him, uh, you've got a year, hear me this, a year to what? Make your decision. Okay? And now we look at that and we go, what an idiot. And then I would say, we're all Nebuchadnezzar, right? We're all Nebuchadnezzar. God oftentimes tells us, hey, do this, don't do that, or there will be this consequence. He waits patiently and we disobey and then it all happens. And it's not his fault, it's ours, because he warned us. That's what Nebuchadnezzar does. So he's got these two choices, humility, plan A, humiliation, plan B. Which one does he choose? Plan B. Plan B, he chooses humiliation. He, God waits a year and it's really the underlying issue is pride. And God is saying, you're very proud. You need to humble yourself. You need to practice humility. He's up on the roof, literally looking down on other people and he's very proud and arrogant. Look at my glory, look at my kingdom, look at my majesty, look at what I've done, right? And then God strikes him and he loses his mind. He literally goes mad. He literally goes mad. Question, why, and we could have an open conversation about this real briefly. Why does a man not just say he's wrong? Pride. How many of us as men, that's an issue, right? I mean. There, there are two kinds of men, men who struggle with pride, three kinds of men, men who struggle with pride, liars and dead men. Those are the three kinds of men, okay? <laughs> right? 
Men who struggle with pride, liars, and dead men. Those are the three kinds of men. And what happens is we can be wrong. We can say wrong, we can do wrong, we mess it up, we blow it, we're off. And God convicts us. God even sends somebody to sort of remind us of that. I mean, how many of you are married to that gal, All right? Um, the Holy Spirit always sends her with a male and she makes sure you know. And, and then you have this opportunity as a man, you're gonna be humble or proud. If you're humble, what do you do? I'm sorry, it's my fault, I was wrong, please forgive me. God, I need your help. Jesus, you died for this, please save me. Please fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please cause me to be a different kind of man or don't ever apologize, right? How many of you, how many of you really, you grew up in a home, dad never said he was sorry and was never wrong, okay? At least 10% of you, okay? He had, he had a Nebuchadnezzar problem, right? He, he was always right. And even if he was wrong, you weren't going to get him to agree that he was wrong. Okay? And this is where men in power, they become proud and they don't demonstrate humility and they can't be corrected. They can't change, they can't learn because God can't change you until you acknowledge that there are things that need to be changed. And so he's got this hard heart, but he, let me just say this with Nebuchadnezzar, we could look at him and say, I can't believe that guy. Or we could say, you know what? I'm a lot like that guy. And we all are. And God is patient with all of us and he gives us opportunities. But Nebuchadnezzar, a couple things, um, he, he's proud, he's hard-hearted. Uh, he refuses to say that he was wrong. God is very patient and waits for him. And then ultimately the, the primary message that comes from him losing his mind, living in the yard, going crazy. The Bible says his hair grows out, his nails grow out. I mean, he, he has lost it. Is if you don't repent of your sin, eventually you start to go crazy. Okay, any of you know a guy like that? There's something in his life that's obvious, and everybody's like, uh, "Dude, that's not working. That's a problem. You're, you're off there." But he's like, "I disagree. I'm not going to change. You can't get me to own it. I'm not going to pivot." And then eventually, that guy starts to go crazy. He loses touch with reality. He's 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 not he's not doing well. And this can be all kinds of mental health that is spiritually motivated. This can be anger, self-medicating, self-destructive behavior. It's a downward spiral of life, right? And all he needs to do is say, God, I need you and I need you to forgive me and I need you to change me, but he can't do that. Now, that being said, when Daniel brings this message to Nebuchadnezzar, you've got this picture here between two men. Daniel's humble, Nebuchadnezzar is proud. Daniel's gonna be honest with him. Nebuchadnezzar doesn't wanna hear it. Daniel's trying to do what God wants him to do. Nebuchadnezzar is very stubborn and isn't gonna do what God wants him to do. So now what they're gonna have, they're gonna have a conflict and they're gonna have a conversation. And Daniel literally is gonna get face to face with the king and he's gonna look him in the eye and he's got some hard things to say. And how he does that is where I really wanna focus for us as men. And the big idea is this, connect before you correct. From Nebuchadnezzar, we can learn negative examples. From Daniel, we can learn positive examples. From Nebuchadnezzar, trying to be the king in your own castle, being domineering, overbearing, abusing women, drinking too much, having an anger problem, being stubborn, never saying you're sorry. That's just an off the shelf standard guy that comes out of Costco, right? That's just, that's off the shelf, right? There's, there, that's just how guys start, okay? Daniel's the view of a guy who God has gotten a hold of him and done some good work. 
So he's humble, he's obedient to God, he's trying to do the right thing, he's filled with the Spirit of God, he's trying to add value at work and wherever he lives. And then they have this conversation and the question is for us, am I a man who's more like Nebuchadnezzar or am I a man who's more like Daniel? And if I'm more like Nebuchadnezzar, how do I pivot by God's power to become more like Daniel, who really is a picture of Jesus? So here's their conversation, just a few verses. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, that was his uh, Babylonian name, his God-given name is Daniel, which means God is my judge. So he lives for God's judgment, which allows him to ignore other judgments. But the king gives him this false demonic name after a, a false demon God, was dismayed for a while, his thoughts alarmed him. So the king's frustrated, struggling, scared of his dream. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. So they're face to face, tells him the dream and he can see it on Daniel's face. You guys know what this is like, right? Like, how many of you, you went into a doctor's appointment Doctor comes out, you're like, uh-oh, this can't be good. You can see it on their face. You can see it on the face. Daniel's got it on his face. Belteshazzar answered and said, my Lord, he's respectful. May the dream be for those who hate you and it's interpretation for your enemies. Man, I, I care about you. I hope this doesn't come to pass. Therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. And here's all you need to do, what? Break off your sins, right? The key with your sins is, is, is not to bend them a little bit or to just, you gotta break your life from your patterns. You gotta break your life from your addictions. You gotta break your life from your habits. You just gotta break it, right? You can't just wound it, carry it, hide it, minimize it. You gotta break it. Every guy's got something in his life. He's like, you know what? It's connected to me. I need to break that and be disconnected from it. And let me say, for some of you recovery guys that are here, we are so proud of you. We are so proud of you. I met with one of the men in our church today and he broke heroin 20 months ago, okay? And it's broken. And I said, who broke it? He said, Jesus broke it, okay? Jesus broke it. And so you men, we all have things that we're battling and fighting and, and we, we need to break off from them. Okay, and that's why we're here. We're here to build you up, not beat you up, so you can break off whatever Satan has his hooks into you seeking to destroy you, okay? And so Daniel looks at him and he says, break it off. And, and here's the good news. If, if you wanna break it off, guess what? God wants to help you. That's the good news, okay? If you're like, God, I wanna break this off my life. Whatever this addiction is, this compulsion is, this emotional unhealth, whatever it is that is connecting me to something other than you, I wanna break that off so I can be healthy and live freely. And the God of the Bible will tell you, son, I love you, I'm happy to help. Right? He's always happy to help break those things off. So Daniel here is telling him, basically God's like a loving dad and uh, he's here to help. And whatever Satan's got into you, uh, that can be broken off and you can be free. You just need to turn to God and acknowledge that you need help and you need to change. Right? And so ultimately he says, uh, break off your sins by practicing righteousness, new habits, new patterns, which you men are doing. And I wanna honor that. There are guys here that used to go to the bar and now they go to the Bible study. Okay, there are guys here that used to go home and yell at their wife and on their way home, they pray for their wife. Okay, there are guys here that used to go home and watch porn and now they go home and read their Bible. Okay, and that's, and that's, that's why we're here. We wanna break some things off and then start to practice righteousness. What's right, what's good, what's holy, 
What can I live in my conscience with? What can I be proud of as a man in that right sense of the word? And your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. How many people is this guy oppressed? It's a lot. He conquers nations as a side gig. I mean, he's, he's, really, he's really a tyrant. That there may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity, okay? So here's what happens. Nebuchadnezzar has a problem with God. God has a problem with Nebuchadnezzar. So God sends Daniel in to go face to face, toe to toe with Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody ever does this, okay? How many of you, you know this guy, the guy that nobody's gonna get in his face and nobody's gonna go toe to toe? How many of you had that dad? You had that granddad, you got that boss. This was your little league coach that you still have PTSD from. You know, every time you see a glove, you get the nervous eye twitch, right? They're just, these are guys that have learned to win by domineering, overbearing, never apologizing force of personality. How hard is it to get in that guy's face? When he's already castrated you. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going in for round two. Round one was rough, okay? And he's your boss and he's worshiped as a God and he can kill you. I mean, this is, Daniel's very courageous because he knows that what he is doing is what God is asking. It's not a good thing for a man to be courageous unless he's doing what God is asking. A man who's courageous and isn't doing what God is asking, that's just a fool who's harming himself. Okay? But he knows what God is asking of him. So they go toe to toe. And what happens is for all of us as men, God is going to have moments where we need to go face to face. We need to go toe to toe and we need to have a hard conversation. We need to deliver the truth. We need to say some things that that person may not want to hear or receive, okay? And men err in one of two directions. Number one, we don't have that conversation. I'm not gonna talk about it. It's gonna blow up. We're gonna get in a fight. There's gonna be a consequence. My wife is gonna make me sleep on the couch again. I gotta get a new couch. My back is killing me. I'm so tired of sleeping on the couch. My boss is gonna fire me. Uh, you know what? I just, I'm not gonna have that conversation. So we avoid it. Or we have the conversation with a hard and angry heart. How many of you have done that? Okay. How many of you guys, you are the more, if there's a hard, heavy, conflicted conversation, especially with someone in power or authority, I tend to avoid those conversations. How many of you are those guys? Be honest. Be honest, okay. Some of you guys are like, yeah, I don't, I don't have those conversations. How many of you, you're the guy who has the conversation, but your heart and your tone are not right. You're angry, you're mad, your volume level is raised, you're name calling, you're looking them in the eye, you're starting to invoke relatives and ancestors. You're just like your mother, you're just like your grandfather. All of a sudden the family genealogy is coming out and you know, the whole family reunion is involved. And you're like, yeah, I probably went a little too deep, far, loud, intense, personal, angry, harsh startup. What I was saying was something that needed to be said but I wasn't saying it in a way that they would receive it. This is where it's putting truth in a flamethrower and pulling the trigger. It's like, well, there are other ways to deliver it. And all you've done there is just set them on fire and burn them to the ground. And as soon as they say, hey, that was not loving, that was mean. Hey, I don't like the way you say that. What's our immediate response? Be honest, man. What's our response? Yeah, who cares? Okay, what's another honest answer? It's the truth. Yeah, and you're being a jerk, that's true too. So we both win, right? What we do then, we will deliver 
what, what we believe is a message that needs to be delivered in a way that Jesus wouldn't deliver it. And then when they point that out, we double down. True or false? Okay, true or false? <laughs> okay. How does Daniel do it? Well, he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Three times in chapter four, it says he's full of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He's got the same Holy Spirit character of Jesus Christ. And when he's dealing with Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar gets angry, Daniel doesn't. Nebuchadnezzar is yelling, Daniel isn't. Nebuchadnezzar is threatening throughout the book, Daniel isn't. Nebuchadnezzar's up all night, very stressed and anxious. Daniel, he's doing fine, okay? He has an awareness of the presence of God in his life that allows him to respond to the Lord, not react to the man, okay? Because what happens is as men, we have a conflict with someone and we're responding and reacting to them instead of responding and reacting to God and then working out of his response through us to them. So a couple of things I wanted to share with you just from Daniel, um, and this is his example. And this is important. How many of you are dads? Dads? Okay, mo many of you, most of you. Um, I, I, you know, if you think about all the children that are represented presently or in the future by men in the room, we're talking about hundreds of children, hundreds of children, okay? True or false is dads, we gotta correct our kids. All of these are practical leadership lessons. And this is true if you're a dad, this is true if you're a husband, this is true if you're a granddad, this is true if you're an employee, this is true if you're an employer, this is true if you're a ministry leader. How do you connect before you correct? How do you connect before you correct? Because if all you do is correct someone and you've not connected with them, you may make your point, but you won't make a difference. Most men make points, they don't make a difference. Our goal is not just to make a point, but to make a difference. To do that, you connect before you correct to increase the opportunity for the person to hear what it is you're trying to say. So number one, serve before you speak. Before this hard conversation, what's Daniel been doing for 30 years? Serving. A terrible boss at a horrible company with awful benefits. <laughs> I mean, castration is not a benefit, neither is vegetarianism. I mean, it's like, this is not the job that he was looking for, but he faithfully served for 30 years. So when he stands before Nebuchadnezzar and says, okay, God has something he needs me to tell you, what is he doing? He's still serving. He's not only serving God, he's serving Nebuchadnezzar, doing what is best for Nebuchadnezzar. How many of you, if someone has served you faithfully, when they bring some hard news to you, you're more likely to receive it. You're like, oh, I know you love me, you serve me, you seek my best. That's my wife, Grace. My wife, Grace is faithful, she's godly, she's, she's amazing, and I know she loves me, and no one has served me in my life, apart from the Lord Jesus, more than my wife, Grace. And she's made all these deposits in our relationship account. So when she needs to bring something to my attention that is truthful, but maybe for me, a little hard to hear, it feels to her like she's making a withdrawal, but she's making a withdrawal from an account that she's made a lot of deposits in through serving, okay? Some of you, you're, let's say it was your dad. He would talk to you, but he didn't really know you. He would talk to you, but he didn't really love you. He would talk to you, but he wouldn't really help you. He'd just tell you what to do. That's being bossy, right? That's not being godly. Serve before you speak, 
Number two, forgive first. Do you think before Daniel got face-to-face, toe-to-toe with Nebuchadnezzar, he'd forgiven him? Why, why would you think that perhaps he had? I mean, he keeps serving him. He, he's gracious to him. He doesn't make it personal. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, God tells us, and God's told me to tell you to stop oppressing people. Well, who did he oppress? Daniel. And Daniel doesn't make it personal. He doesn't say, like you did me and how you treated me and what you did to me. I wanted to get married and I can't. I want to have kids and I can't. You know, I want to be a grandpa and I'm not. Look what you did. I wanted to live in Israel. I'm in Babylon. You even changed my name. I mean, if he wanted to back up the truck, right? Boop, 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 and unload. The dude's got a load. He's got a load of complaints that are absolutely valid. He doesn't back up the truck. He doesn't dump the load. He doesn't make it about himself and Nebuchadnezzar. He makes it about God and Nebuchadnezzar. And he gets out of the middle, okay? And he does that, I think, because he's already forgiven him. If he hadn't forgiven him, he's not gonna try and love him and help him and serve him, right? Number three, be the mailman. The message that that Daniel brings to Nebuchadnezzar, whose message was it? Who wrote the mail, to use that analogy? God wrote the mail. What was Nebuchadnezzar, the recipient? What was Daniel, the mailman? The problem with us as men is that we'll say things that God didn't tell us to say. Our job should not be to write the mail, but to deliver the mail, okay? Not to write the mail, but to deliver the mail. So what this means as a man, well, you gotta check in the Bible. Okay, is this this what God says? You gotta check your own relationship with God. Okay, God, am I hearing from you? Am I running it by wise counsel? Do I, you know, do I know what it is I'm supposed to say? And then preparing my heart to say it in such a way that I don't just bring them your information, but I bring them your affection, okay? Because as men, we're not just called to deliver information, but also affection, because that's how God communicates to us, like sons. And so the, the example here is Daniel doesn't write the mail. God writes the mail, Daniel delivers it, Daniel starts to read the mail and what's his reaction? Uh Uh-oh. If Daniel was still bitter, do you think he would have been glad to read this mail? How many of you, if if you're bitter against someone and you've got really bad news to tell them, it's a good day for you. You're like, well, I talked to your wife, she's gone and uh, I'm getting your dog and you lose, you know, because you're a jerk. He's not like that. He has hard bad news to deliver and he's worried for Nebuchadnezzar because he loves him and cares for his well-being, and he doesn't want to see him hurt. That's how you know that a man is forgiving, that he's emotionally healthy and he's filled with the spirit of God. And so what he is, he is the mailman, but even in reading the mail, interpreting the dream, Nebuchadnezzar can see in his face, he cares about me and this is hard for him to say too. Number four, respect goes up, honor goes down. Um, Respect goes up, honor goes down. Does Daniel respect Nebuchadnezzar the way he speaks to him? Oh my Lord, that's what he calls him. And that's an honorary title for his position. And then what happens is honor goes down to Daniel from Nebuchadnezzar. Um, If you don't 
respect someone, especially when you bring information to them, especially if it's another grown man, if you bring respect, the odds increase that you'll receive honor. If you bring disrespect, the odds are you're going to elicit dishonor and that's where men have lots of conflicts and wars because now it's a battle to see who the winner is. If you will start with respect, it gives an opportunity for them to honor and in so doing, it's a win-win and nobody has to lose and men don't need to get in a fist fight in a competition, okay? Number five, you conquer the fear of man with the fear of God. Be honest with me. If God gave you this mail to deliver to a man like Nebuchadnezzar, who really is the Adolf Hitler of the Old Testament, right? He conquers nations with a blitzkrieg. And then he says, oh, we're having a problem with the Jews. Throw them in the fiery furnace. I mean, he's the Adolf Hitler of the Old Testament. How many of you, if God said, go tell Adolf Hitler to repent? That would be a, you'd be like, uh, no, uh, no, no. I, he's obviously not elect, it won't work, no need to waste our time. Uh, how many of us would have fear? To ha how many of you guys, if you're honest, almost any conflict elicits some anxiety in you? You just, it's like, a not, I know I need to have that conversation, I need to do the performance review, I need to fire that person, I, I know that we need to move on from that relationship. I know that that family member is just codependent, toxic, taking advantage. I know we need to do that, but there's, why do we not go? Because what we think is the pain that I'm enduring right now is not as bad as the pain I will endure if we have this conversation, okay? And that's fear. And the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. I believe that with fear is a demonic spirit. It's a counterfeit. Right? And all of Babylon is just filled with the spirit of fear to the point we looked at in the previous chapter, Nebuchadnezzar makes a 90 foot golden statue of himself, says, hey, I've got a new religion. When the band plays counterfeit church, everybody bow down and worship me. And the commentators say 300,000 people bowed down. You know what those are? Those are all people consumed by the spirit of fear. Three guys stood up, Daniel's friends, because they're filled with the spirit of God. You overcome fear of man with fear of God, okay? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's what the Bible says. Daniel fears, he honors, he reveres God. Daniel through the whole book is talking about God, singing to God, praying to God, he's looking up. Nebuchadnezzar's problem is he's up on the roof looking down. He's looking down on other people, putting fear on them instead of looking up to God and giving glory to him. That's his whole problem. So how do you overcome the fear of men? Let me say this, we all have fear of men. Some of you fear your wife, some of you fear your employer, some of you fear your kids, some of you fear your dad, your mom, your extended family, your critics, your competition, you fear somebody. The only way you overcome fear of man and Proverbs 29, 25 says that fear of man is a trap or a snare. It's, it's a way of Satan trapping you into a life that God doesn't intend for you. The only way out of fear of man is fear of God. Like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Okay, I'm gonna do that because that's the right thing to do. Daniel doesn't have any fear of Nebuchadnezzar because he has fear of God. And lastly, you gotta love the lost. Daniel's the uh, believer, Nebuchadnezzar is the, at this point, he's the unbeliever. Don't expect a lot of your non-Christian buddies, coworkers, parent, don't. 
If they don't know God, just assume that their character is not going to look like Jesus. Don't get so hung up on their character. Really, the issue is they need a new nature. They need to be changed at the deepest level of their being. They need to meet Jesus. They need to get a new heart. They need to receive the Holy Spirit. They need to experience the forgiveness of sin. They need to be born again, to use the language of Jesus. What Daniel doesn't look at with Nebuchadnezzar and say, okay, you know, let's make some behavior modifications so that you're not quite the tyrant you used to be. He says, actually, you need God and God needs to change you at the deepest level of your being. And so let me say this, oftentimes the people that frustrate us or you could want to have very unhealthy conflict with, they don't know Jesus. So what do we want? We want them to know Jesus. So what do we do? We try and bring the truth to them in a way that is loving so that we can talk to them about our God because our goal is not just to win an argument, but to win a person. So oftentimes as men, we win arguments, we lose people. The goal is not just to win the argument, but to win the person. And that's why Daniel teaches us, models for us as men, connect before you correct. Let me give you some practical illustrations and I appreciate you guys hanging in there with me as I verbal process a little bit. Anytime that I, give you an example with my sons. I don't know if you know this, I could be a big personality. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. A little, be a little intense, you know, a little loud sometimes. But I didn't wanna raise kids that were scared of me. I didn't wanna bully them because you may be able to bully them when they're little. What happens when they get big? Yeah, they kick your butt if you're lucky, right? If you're lucky, uh, that's all they do to you. They either rebel against you, they get sneaky or hide, or then they bow up to take you down so the young buck takes down the old buck. So what is a bad idea when the kids are little, especially the boys, it becomes a real problem when they become grown men. So for example, with my boys, when they were like at three boys, two girls, how many of you found, do you find this, your girls were more compliant? Anybody have that parenting? <laughs> my dad would be like, please do that. I'm like, yes, daddy. My sons would be like, Pfft. you know, I mean, I just, you know, they, they weren't, most of my sons, they're, they're good and I love them and we're good now. But, but if there was gonna be disobedience, it was gonna come from my sons. My one daughter, when she was little, there was one occasion I realized how much power I had. I looked at her and I said her name. I didn't yell, I didn't, didn't yell. I just said her name and she threw up. I just was like, just, yeah, I was like, wow, that's like a superpower I have. Like, that's amazing. I could just make people, I'm vomit, man. Like I can just say your name and you puke. My wife looked at me, she said, uh, you're really powerful in her life. I was like, holy smokes, I didn't. So I tried it with my son, didn't throw up, <laughs> didn't throw up. Okay. So what I learned, especially with my sons, because what I wanted to do was not control or domineer or over, be overbearing for them. I wanted to raise them to be what? Men, that we could have a face-to-face, toe-to-toe. So I literally, when I deal with my sons, when they're little, I would get down to this level. Why? To connect before you correct. This is what God did when he became the man, Jesus Christ. He came down and got on our level. He literally came down and looked us in the eye. He didn't just yell at us from above. He came down to be with us below. So I get down right here with my sons, um, look them in the eye and I'd ask them questions. Before I, before I corrected, I always tried to connect. I would say, uh, who am I? 
you're my dad. How do I feel about you? You love me. Who sent me here to be your dad? God did. Okay, now I got backup, right? If you're a cop, always call for backup. There's your backup. Um, And I would ask my sons this question. Of everybody on planet earth, who is the person that is most for you? Why is that an important question? If you don't know that I love you and I'm here to help you, you're not gonna listen to me. Occasionally, the boys would be like, you know, dad, I, I think that's true, but lately I've not felt it. Okay, let's have a conversation about that. Let's connect before we correct. When they get to the point, dad, you're the person that loves me the most, you care the most. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you something now and I need you to listen, okay? And then I would correct them. I would correct them. Almost every single time, my sons would give me a hug and then I would give them a kiss and I would lay hands and pray over them. And we would invite the Holy Spirit into the relationship because I didn't wanna win an argument, I wanted to win a son, okay? And I'm telling you as men, we can look at Nebuchadnezzar and say, I can't believe the way the guy ruled this kingdom. My question would be, whatever kingdom you have, do you rule it like Nebuchadnezzar? And if so, he said, rather serve it like Daniel for the kingdom of God. Daniel models for us as men, this emotional health, the ability to connect before you correct and how to really be a great leader that even leads the most powerful leader in the world, okay? That being said, we're gonna break into discussion groups. If you guys wanna wander, that's fine, but these are my recommended talking points. Are you more likely to A, not have the hard conversation or B, have the hard conversation with a hard heart? We tend to gravitate in one of those two directions. Number two, is there someone you need to have the Jesus talk with? Really what Daniel is doing with Nebuchadnezzar is he's saying, there's another king, my king, whose name is Jesus. He's gonna talk more about him in Daniel seven. They're having the Jesus talk. Is there somebody you need to have the Jesus talk with? And you haven't because you don't wanna have the conflict. Have the conversation in an effort to win the person. And if there is somebody that you need to talk to about Jesus, they don't know Jesus, they're not walking with Jesus, you need to invite them to men's or church or give them a Bible or whatever, let us know who that is so we can join you in prayer for them. Okay, this is a question that I believe is from the Lord for you. Last week, and I'll be honest with you, Wednesday night is super exciting for me, really fun. I love you guys, it's an honor to be here. It's, it's an encouragement. I just never seen what God is starting to do here anywhere in my life, okay? And I was driving away uh, last week and I was super encouraged, super excited. I'm up all night. My wife hears me tell all the stories of what God's doing in your guys' life. So we stay up late and I was driving away. And right before I got on the 101, I just felt inclined. Top was off my Jeep. I was driving, looked up. I was like, Lord, is there something I was supposed to ask the men that I didn't ask them? last week. I just felt inclined to ask that. And God spoke to me and he said, uh, as they're learning about Nebuchadnezzar, ask them this, who would consider you a Nebuchadnezzar in their life? If they read the story of Daniel, they say, yeah, domineering, overbearing, scary guy, you would be that guy. Okay, that's the question that I believe 
God asked me to ask you. It's not an accusation, it's a question. And then the question is, how can you be showing mercy to quote Daniel to them? You men need to know the one thing Nebuchadnezzar didn't wanna do was apologize. And one of the most powerful things that a man can do is apologize. We call it repentance, it's ownership. It literally breaks demonic strongholds in relationships when a man looks at his wife or a man looks at his kid or a man looks at his grandkid or a man looks at his brother or brother in Christ and says, I was wrong, I am sorry, I make no excuse. It's so bad Jesus died for it. I promise you, my heart's desire is to change. How many of you, if your father said that to you, your whole life would change. You'd be like, oh, okay, well, praise God. (laughs) There's grace here. Not only do we need to look at the story of Nebuchadnezzar from the perspective of those that are abused, but also from the perspective that sometimes we're the Nebuchadnezzar. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. Last two, how do we pray? How can we pray with you or for you today? with you or for you. And we break for discussion and then prayer. And we like to huddle our guys up like a football team and pray over each other. We borrowed that from Pastor Darian. Um, And ultimately, if you don't wanna pray, you don't have to pray. If you don't wanna be prayed for, that's okay. But what I would say is, we would love to pray for you. And there, there probably isn't another place that you can go tonight to be prayed for. If you want a beer, there's a place. You wanna watch a game, there's a place. You wanna smoke a cigar, there's a place. You you wanna break commandments, there's lots of options. Prayer, this is kind of your one shot. Okay, so let us know what your prayer request is. And then lastly, do you need a Bible? Um, We've got these great Bibles, they're leather bound ESV, which is the translation I tend to preach out of, study Bibles with a lot of great notes. How many of you guys think it's a good thing to give a guy a Bible? Right, you can't be a Bible guy unless you got a unless you got a Bible. So we want to give. If you don't have a Bible, tell us. Now uh, tell your table lead, and uh, we'll bring you a Bible. And then the guys around your table are going to pray for you, and you're going to start reading your Bible. You can start in Daniel if you want to read with us. The really cool story is, uh, you men have been buying Bibles for other men. Okay. Uh, there's one guy here, he came a few months ago, he was non-Christian, the guys prayed for him, got saved, became a Christian, came back, we gave him a Bible, he's reading the Bible, he came up last week, he's like, I'll buy a case of Bibles for the next guy that needs a Bible. Let me just say, that's our end zone. Guys together in relationship, opening the word of God, learning how to follow Jesus, amen? So if you need a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible, okay? Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much for an opportunity to open the scriptures, God, I wanna honor these men. They could be anywhere tonight doing anything. And they're here. They're here to meet with God, to meet with the men of God, to invite the spirit of God, to open the word of God, to become like the son of God. And Lord, I wanna honor these men and I wanna honor their choice. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help them in every and any way to become like Daniel, who's ultimately like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I believe that if men will own some things, apologize for some things, repent of some things, say sorry to some people, that literally healing could start to happen in homes, families, businesses, generations. And so Lord, thank you that there is nothing more powerful than love and forgiveness. 
So please pour it out on these men. Please pour it out through these men this week in Jesus' name. Amen.